Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. Acts 13 verse 4. Cyprus is an island 60 miles off the Mediterranean coast. It's the third largest island in that area next to Sicily and one other island. And in the ancient days, Cyprus was not only Barnabas' hometown, so that maybe that's why they decided to start there. Maybe they didn't have clear direction. Maybe they knew they were called to the Gentiles but didn't know where to start, so they decided to start in their hometown. Or, in the ancient world, Cyprus was known as the ancient Bahamas or Hawaii. So if you had your choice, somebody's got to do it. I've been praying about Hawaii for years. I'm still in Corona. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, I think I'm called. But <laughs> so, so they they started out on this island. It was it was it was his hometown, Barnabas. So that's not a bad place to start. Sometimes you go back to your homies, if you will, and you say, "I'm a Christian." They go, "Oh no, 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 no! I know you, right?" Sometimes it can be powerful. Because you say, no, the Lord's changed me. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. They went to Cyprus. Cyprus was known as the Hawaii, the Bahamas of the land. Great climate, wonderful uh, surroundings and everything, peaceful. But it was known in the ancient world, according to one commentator, as they called it, Happy Island. Whatever you do on Happy Island makes you happy. So everybody walked around happy. I'm on Happy Island. We're even going to go on vacation. Hey, let's go to Happy Island. It's the happiest place in the world. Everybody smiles on Happy Island. And so they went around to Happy Island. Great place. I mean, if you're going to pick and God hasn't given you clarity, you go there, right? Now, the place wasn't so happy, though, because it was known for its worship of Aphrodite, the Greek goddess. And every year they had a three-day festival and it was the festival of Aphrodisia. That sounds similar or familiar to some of you because it's the idea of an aphrodisiac and it was the idea of debased sexual immorality. Why did people go to Happy Island? Well, I think we know now. I was listening to an interview uh, last week on KKLA. Young gal, I think she's about 23 years old. She grew up in a Christian home. So she said that she was in all kinds of beauty contests and she had prayed that if the Lord wanted her to win this beauty contest, she would win and it turns out she won. And so that catapulted her career as a model. She ended up being a Victoria's Secret model and she was on top of that industry, if you will, money, fame, you know, accolades, everything that you could name. But she said something started to happen to her. She was doing the video photography sessions and the photographers were asking her to compromise her values. She was starting to feel dirty, starting to feel like she was compromising her faith. She didn't know what to do. So she ended up walking away from the money and the glitz and the glamour and that lifestyle. And she was being interviewed by the interviewer and she said, one thing that perplexed me was I had prayed, God, if you want me to win this beauty contest, then let me win. And I won. And I thought that was his answer to my prayer. And that win catapulted me into this life of a model. And then ended up, you know, confronting me. And, and I felt dirty and compromised and, and all this stuff. And so she said, I used to wonder why God answered that prayer the way he did. And then I realized 
The reason that God answered that prayer the way he did was to confront me with the idol in my life. By winning that, it catapulted me. I got there and I realized how empty, bankrupt, corrupt it was. I was there at the pinnacle of my dreams and all I could think was, I was the emptiest young lady on the planet. Wow. And she got it at that young of an age. And the interviewer was blown away. He said, you're only like 23 and you've discovered all this? And she said, yes. And I've walked away because I realized that's not what I should be doing. That's not my life. God had to bring me before my idols so I could see how it had stolen my heart away from God. Wow. And people were going to Happy Island and they say, oh, sh- you know, certainly we'll, we'll find what we're looking for here. Certainly when we get here, everything will be cool. And two missionaries called by the Holy Spirit. Does this show you the heart of God? Called them to tell people on that island, that's not where you find it. Happiness is fleeting, but there's a contentment that you can know. And it's found in Jesus Christ. And so when they had reached verse 5, Salamis, uh, a port city, which was a Greek city, they began to proclaim the word of God. So now they're on the island, on the east end, and they began in the synagogue of the Jews. And they also had John Mark, John, but his name is John Mark, as their helper, maybe something like an intern. So they've made their way to the island, Salamis uh, on the east end, great commercial center, and they're going to move to Paphos, the capital of the island, and they're going to go on a, somewhat of a preaching tour. To give you the idea of mileage, it would be about the distance a covering from Corona to San Diego. That's about how far they went. And they were preaching along the way and they would find synagogues and preach in there. That was Paul's custom, a kind of an open platform. And then they would just go into the city, open air preach or do whatever they did, meet people and they were preaching the gospel. And when they had gone through the whole island, verse six, as far as Paphos, which was the capital, they found a certain magician, a Jewish, Jewish false prophet whose name was Bar-Jesus. So now they get to the pinnacle of the city. There's a government official that they're going to share with, and he's got kind of as his court wizard this dude named Bar-Jesus. Bar in Hebrew means son of. Jesus means what? Salvation. Yeshua means salvation. Whenever you hear the name Jesus, that's what it means. Jesus means salvation. And so he said, I'm the son of salvation. I'm the son of Yeshua. Here's my business card. I am bar Jesus. Just come to me if you need any, you know, expert advice, because I'll give it to you. But what was he? Uh, He wasn't living according to his name. He was a Jewish false prophet, and he was a magician. Now, some of you say, does that mean he did card tricks, sleight of hand, the big word prestidigitation? No. Magic here in this context is a synonym for sorcery. Quick definition, a magician or a sorcerer calls upon spirits, extra dimensional spirits, to control the reality that they want to create. Simply put, if you're involved in magic, we might call it black magic today, someone calls upon spirits, they invoke spirits to control reality or their environment. So we're at an elder meeting years ago, we had a quiet elder named Brian, And we decided this night at our elder meeting, we'd just share testimonies about how we all came to Christ. Brian was always the quiet guy. He he would wait to speak, and then he always had great wisdom to share. So 
finally we got to Brian. Everybody shares their testimonies. It's kind of similar, you know, came out of the world, was doing all this bad stuff. And Brian says, well, when I was a teenager, me and this buddy of mine, we went and smoked some pot. And he said, we came back to my house and my mom was involved in the occult and she was having a seance when we came home. So we entered into the door. There was a medium sitting at the table, kind of a long uh, rectangle table and some people around it. And so we sat down for the seance and the medium began to invoke the spirits and call out to the spirits. And he said, we started to hear knocking under the table. And he said, I opened my eyes and I looked and everybody's hands being held were on top of the table, knocking. Then lights started to flash in the hallway, off and on, on and off. He said, it was my house. I knew it wasn't wired. I knew it wasn't fixed. And he said, all of a sudden, in the middle of her invoking the spirits, my kitchen table raised up off the ground, moved four feet and pinned the medium to the wall. Now, this is one of our elders. And we were like... What? (laughs) Brian, we never knew. And he said, we were so freaked out by the power of evil. Me and my friend ran out of the house, ran to a local church and became Christians. (laughs) And we're like, wow, if that doesn't just beat them all. That's weird. (laughs) But anyway. And so this magician had positioned himself as we find in spiritual warfare right next to the governor of the island. He's called the proconsul, but it's just a simple word for, he's the governor. His name is Sergius Paulus. He was a bright man, a man of intelligence, and this man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. We don't know time elapsing, but they're on the island, words getting to the governor's ears, but he's got this weird false prophet dude who's always in his ear. You know what? If you just, here, here, try some cards or try this or maybe you should do that. And he's burned out maybe on superstition, maybe on the occult, maybe on Roman mythology. And so he starts to inquire, you know what? I want to hear These guys are kind of the talk of the town. So he summons them in and he wants to hear the gospel or hear the word of God. But Elimus, verse 8, the magician, for his, thus his name is translated or it is his Greek name. Some think this is an Arabic idea of a skilled one, kind of like the idea of the magi skilled in mathematics and agriculture and that kind of thing, dream interpretation, but he's worse. He's really an occult practitioner uh, looking to, Uh, bring forth hidden things is the idea of the occult. And so what was he doing? As the gospel is being preached by Paul and Barnabas, he was opposing them. Brothers and sisters, let me say this to you. The gospel will be opposed. You can take it to the bank. As a matter of fact, do I have to tell you? It's being opposed all over the world. Atheist groups, religious groups, you name it, opposing the message of the gospel and the devil, we have spiritual warfare on display, is battling for this man's soul. One of the, the um, pieces of armor we have is the shoes of peace. And it talks about being prepared to share the gospel and where to go and these feet are to be ordered to share the good news of the gospel of peace. And there's a limus, See him as a satanic pawn right there in the governor's ear saying, oh, no, 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 no. 
Oh, no, that Jesus can't be the only way. Oh, what do you mean the gospel is good news? What do you mean? And he's questioning and he's opposing. We were on a mission trip and a group came back to debrief and one of the guys said they were on this trip and this girl wouldn't stop being a distraction. She was crying out and trying to distract the people. I watched the Way of the Master video and Kirk Cameron sharing with people on the beach and he's getting to the heart of the gospel and this drunk guy is going, what about this and what about that? And he keeps getting in the middle of the gospel presentation. You see it. It does happen. There's opposition to the gospel. And here, it's very clear right before us, what was he trying to do? He was seeking to turn the pro-council away from the faith. Don't believe that. That's a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. Yeah, I heard that one before. No, the road's much more broad. I was in the gym one day sharing the gospel with a guy and I'd talked to him before, and one of the hang-ups he had, he's an engineer of mine, so he was, he was wondering about creation and evolution things. So we had this atheist in our group of racquetballers, and just to be candid, he looked like a little troll doll. The atheist did. He had salt and pepper hair, a beard, he wore a ponytail. He'd come in this ratty clothing, but he's a good racquetball player, but he was an outspoken atheist. So I'm sharing with this guy, and this guy's close to trusting in Christ, and I'm sharing about creation, and the atheist is buzzing around us. Creation, what about evolution? And he's, you just see this nervous energy, right? He's trying, he's a distraction. So I said, do you see that? I said this to this guy I was witnessing to. I said, do you see him? You see his face? I said, that is the face of evolution. And my friend looked at me and said, tell me more about God. Tell me more about God. So sarcasm is biblical, by the way. So, and you're going to see that in a moment. So he was trying, now, now think of it in serious terms. He's trying to turn the man's soul away from being saved. Is there anything worse? Anything more dastardly? There you see the face of the enemy. You don't think there's a spiritual war? There is. And there's this guy, oh, no, 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 trying to rob the seed of the word of God, Luke 8, 12, that the devil tries to take away after it's heard. But Saul, verse 9, who was also known as Paul, probably his Roman name, John Mark took on a Roman name. Uh, Paul is Paul's Roman name, but he will not be called Saul again for the rest of the book of Acts. The name means little and Notice Paul now, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze upon the magician, upon him. And he said, let's do lunch and we'll talk about what you believe and what I believe. Perhaps we can convene an ecumenical council. We can have tea together, crumpets, and what we'll do is we'll talk about our various ideas and we'll see if we can come to a mutual understanding by a campfire where we can sing together, Kumbaya. How's that sound? Now you say, that's not what my Bible says, Michael. That's because that's not what your Bible says. Paul looked at him and he said, you who are full of all deceit, he's talking to the magician, the false prophet, deceit is you're a cleverly disguised snare. You, you're full of deceit, you're full of fraud, that's villainy, trickery, a turning the hand to wickedness. You, son of the devil. Wow. And just when you thought that your Christian vocabulary was very narrow, does this give you hope? 
I'm being a little funny right now, but <laughs> it gives me hope. Because sometimes as Christians, we're like, you know, oh, that's not very Christian. I don't know. Well, Paul's a Christian. He's the most outspoken face of Christianity. And he looks at a man and he said, you're a liar, you're a fraud, and you are a son of Satan. And I say, praise the Lord. My vocabulary has widened. There are certain things I can say in the right context. Right? And you know what the context is. This guy's evil. He's twisting the, the gospel. He's trying to be a, a divider from this guy coming to Christ. And Paul calls him out. And you might say, where did Paul get such an idea of calling someone a son of the devil? Uh, Jesus. Jesus called the religious leaders, you are of your father, the devil. He was a liar from the beginning. And Paul calls it like it is. And I think there's a time, and I would say it's going to be pretty rare, obviously, for us. But there's a time to say, you know what? You're a fraud. Paul says, you're a liar. He's saying, get out of the way. Look at the end of the verse. Will you not cease to make crooked or pervert the straight ways of the Lord. You're an enemy of all righteousness and you continue to try to pervert the truth of the gospel. There are people all over the landscape doing that. And Paul called him out. He said, I know your intention. I know why you're here. I know what you're doing. And you're not going to be allowed to do it anymore. Look at the next verse. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness, two medical terms used by Dr. Luke, fell upon him and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. The pompous magician, all of a sudden. And he was looking for someone to lead him by the hand. And you know what? This sounds familiar. Because it was just a few chapters back that the guy who said this was himself blinded by the Lord, and he had to be led by the hand. And I think Saul might be saying, because this seems to be temporary for a time, you need to have happen to you, Elimus, what happened to me. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when we get the heavy hand of the Lord upon us, we start to look for answers? We start to wake up? We start to say, you know what? Maybe I've been on the wrong path. Maybe you're knocking on the door of the occult. And you think you're going to find answers and power there. And you begin to dabble with it and all of a sudden you see something that's not so pretty. God allows you maybe to be warned or to say to you, you know what? Don't mess with that stuff. That's not of me. And so this guy all of a sudden needs to be led by the hand in verse 12. Very effective evangelist says, then the proconsul believed. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you guys are legit. What do signs do? They confirm the authenticity of the gospel. Then the proconsul believed, but notice the verse. When he saw what had happened, so he was amazed by the miracle, being amazed or deeply impressed or shaken to the core, the J.B. Phillips translation says, at the what? The teaching of the Lord. What amazed Sergius Paulus was the gospel. You mean I can be forgiven? You mean there's a God who loves me? You mean Jesus Christ came into the world to die? You mean he resurrected and defeated death? You mean there's a hope beyond this life? You mean there's a God 
who cares about me and loves me. And there's an archaeological, archaeological discovery on the island of Cyprus, uh, fairly recent. They dug up an inscription with the name Sergius Paulus on it. And it says in the inscription, not only he, but his whole family became Christians. And maybe Happy Island became Contented Island. Instead of the false gospel of the world and this and that, it became about the truth of Jesus Christ. And so now Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos, from the end of the island there. They came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John, that's John, Mark, left them and returned to Jerusalem. When outside opposition fails, what will the devil do? Inside opposition, John, Mark, maybe overwhelmed by what he thought this was going to be, bailed and he went home back to Jerusalem. He said, I can't do this. And this is going to be such an issue between Barnabas and Saul, as we'll see in a future text, that those two argue about uh, Barnabas' cousin Mark and they split over it. And Paul and Barnabas go their separate ways. And the team was divided that was so effective. Now, God still used it, but the point is, we have to watch. Because the enemy uses outside and inside distractions. And let me just uh, finalize this by saying to you, are you like John Mark? Have you had a mission for your life and you've walked away from it? The Lord has a way of restoring back to us. And Mark is going to become useful again as we read our Bible. He's restored back to Paul. He becomes very useful. And he even writes one of our Gospels, the Gospel of Mark. Probably Peter's thoughts behind it, but he becomes very useful. Sometimes we lose hope because we've failed. We feel like we've failed God or we've failed ourselves or others. And we go, oh, I can't be used again. That's not true. Mark was restored. You can be restored. But it is time to get in the game. Sometimes I'll call Pastor Mel, and uh, he's the one that preaches when I'm not in the pulpit. And I'll say, Pastor Mel, can you preach this Sunday? And he, and he says, put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. So I started calling him AC. He's an assistant pastor. I started calling him AC because he's like an assistant coach. And anytime I say to Mel, can you preach? Unless he's out of town. He says, oh, put me in, coach. I'm ready. It's like he has a spring underneath him and he's ready to go into the game. And I'll tell you this. That's our attitude. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. What would you have me to do? Father, thank you for this section of scripture. It's rich with challenge and meaning and hope and deliverance. I think the main thing we see is that the climax of this first part of the missionary journey was to save a governor over an island that was corrupted and, and certainly Sergius Paulus made his impact, I'm sure, on that island and to continue on and to move out and to obey the command to go out into the ends of the earth and share the gospel. Father, you may not call us to cross seas or go to islands to share the gospel, but you are calling us to be faithful to that which you have entrusted to us. We are set apart for God. If you're here and you're not a Christian, just keep your head bowed. And you want to know Christ. You want to be someone who's delivered from the kingdom of darkness. Come into the kingdom of light. Have your sin forgiven. Have new life in you. The hope of heaven. Right now is your moment. 
And it's something like this. And I would encourage you, right where you are, don't waste another moment in the other kingdom. It's something like this. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me, I've sinned against you. I'm sorry, and I turn from that sin. I trust in you as my Savior and my Lord. Please make me new. Make me your child. Father, for those who are like John Mark and maybe bailed on their calling, may you encourage them that there's hope for them. And for those who are believers and they're on the front lines, may you continue to refine and define their call so that they might glorify you. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. And I just want to say this, Oscar, and I'm not sure we spend a whole lot of time here, nor do I think that we have to. But when people begin to trifle with God's people and God's word, and they try to oppose God, that is a dangerous place to be. In fact, in Acts 9, when Paul gets the appearance by Jesus, he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? God takes this persecution personally. And, and I think, again, with this magician, we see this, this very thing that God, um, vengeance does belong to him. And then the remaining of chapter 13, uh, Paul and Barnabas appear, and they're giving a history lesson, reminding the leaders there, this is what we were about. Now, this is our history of our nation, but there is the one that our scriptures speak about, and this is in whom our eyes have been opened, our hearts have been opened, this is in whom we are following, and brothers, this is who our Messiah is. And we want to share with you, it's just like Paul had said, Lord, if I could give up my salvation for my brethren, help me, Lord, that you, your people can hear and have their eyes open here. Yeah, and you know, there's quite a reaction to the gospel here, uh, Oscar, and uh, so much so that the, the whole town comes out and, you know, the Gentiles... Uh, it says in verse, uh, what is it, 48 here. Now when the Gentiles heard this, that they, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. And so when the Gentiles hear the quotation that um, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, and they realize they can be included as well, then they say, oh yeah, and they begin rejoicing. And this becomes quite an issue for the early church, the inclusion of the Gentiles. And Paul becomes a missionary to the Gentiles. And I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing for all of us who would say, you know, I'm a non-Jewish person. Um, this is how the gospel ended up coming to the Gentiles. And many people believe. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's Word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. 
You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org.